For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, this is it. This is the the Friday before the morning after sort of thing. Uh, we're heading into the final weekend now of the federal election campaign. Comes none too soon, I think, for most. There's a certain exhaustion level that I have not seen before uh, after what has been a fairly short writ period. I mean, you go back, there have been longer ones. And there has been more, uh, I think, energy and momentum around it. There's been something that's rather exhausting about this entire process so far. So welcome into the Friday edition of the Rit Race. Dave Trafford here with John Wright as usual and per usual on Fridays. We uh, include Keith Leslie because of course he's the co-host of On the Ledge and today would be normally when we're talking about provincial politics but uh, let's just kind of dig in here and get to the this final weekend uh, of the campaign. John, I think the, the anybody who's busier than the door-to-door canvassers is going to be the pollsters. So this is a sort of a key moment in terms of really slicing that final hair as we get into the uh, into voting day on uh, on Monday. Yeah, and unfortunately the public is going to get a bunch more polls, but the fortunate part of it is that they now are mixing methodologies they're spending some money to make sure that it's all lined up and it's all packaged under the tree for uh, electoral christmas um i think if you look today what you're going to find are six firms who have put out polls in the last 24 hours and you find um of the six polls three of them have the liberals leading one have the tories leading and two are tied now when it's tied it means that the Liberals are actually ahead because the PC vote is higher in Alberta, pushes up the national numbers. So I would say going into this weekend, the Liberals were ahead on five of those polls and um, winning on one. So I don't know whether this speaks to a minority or a majority. Like, I don't know because everybody will say it's too close to call. But it clearly has shown that the Liberals are moving ahead with some momentum. I don't know what the Jason Kenney issue is going to do. I mean... Honestly, if I were the Liberals, I'd, I'd have ads out on social media showing that interview with uh, Jason Kenney and, um, and Aaron O'Toole, and then kind of back to the whole point of who do you want running the country during a pandemic and, you know, slamming at home. 
But the, you can see where the leaders are this weekend. They're in southwestern Ontario. They're in the 905 in Quebec. I suspect they'll show up in, or at least Jagmeet uh, Singh back in uh, British Columbia. Maybe Mr. True, who knows? But follow the buses, follow the planes this weekend. And you'll see where they're trying to either shore up their vote or take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So leading into this weekend, it's, you know, the Liberals have the edge. So, Keith, you know, I, I, I'll ask you whether or not you think that the, the Jason Kenney circumstance vis-a-vis the COVID handling, we've got this medical emergency of health now in Alberta, this major rollback uh, in terms of how they have viewed it and admitting mistakes and all of these things kind of splashing in this great big, you know, rock in the pond has created all this waves. Um, I think to some degree that is going to affect how people vote, but quite frankly, this might be a self-inflicted wound by the O'Toole campaign. And I'll tell you why. I'm listening yesterday as he is not answering the question. The question keeps coming up. Recently, you endorsed, you know, Jason Kenney's handling of the pandemic versus the prime minister's and said that he was doing a better job than Trudeau. Is that still what you think? And instead of having an answer to that question, he insisted on saying, I'm going to work with all the provinces. Shouldn't his answer have been at least... Jason Kenney right now is handling the COVID pandemic. It's a crisis that needs to be handled. Frontline, he's doing it. Justin Trudeau is off on the campaign where we, you know, are completely ignoring the day-to-days of the COVID pandemic. I think that form of answer, while it might have been a bit of a stink bomb and a little bit of a pushback on it, would have probably solved a lot of the issues because all I heard all day yesterday is, you know, um, O'Toole can't seem to come to any kind of conclusion as to whether or not it's being handled well in Alberta. And and the narrative got out of, out of his hand right away. Well, you have to wonder, Dave, if, if as, as we've said so many times in this podcast, if they'd only pay us for this advice or just take it for free, <laughs> they wouldn't be in these kind of uh, sticky messes. And this is exactly what this one was. I mean, he looked terrible trying to dance around that non-answer yesterday instead of his use. You just gave the answer. Kenny is tackling this. Of course, he wouldn't even say the name, and then that becomes the story. This, to me, though, it takes it right back to the beginning of the campaign when a lot of people said, no, 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 people aren't going to be voting on the vaccination status and all that kind of stuff. They are going to be. And here's why, and in one part, Doug Ford, late to the party as usual, he had to kick Rick Nichols out of the caucus for refusing to get vaccinated, and yet O'Toole won't even say if his candidates are vaccinated. Till this point, and after all this time, you can bet an awful lot of voters are looking just at that, right at that particular point. Even Doug Ford took the step of enforcing it, you know, a, a vaccine mandate. And as we all know, the vaccine mandate, when that talk started, and John's talked about this before, that's where uh, Maxine Bernier and the People's Party started rising. And the, of the polls, which we started talking about, of the polls that really caught my eye was Nick Kubalas, who's probably the, the hardest right-wing conservative of the bunch of them, says that it's a liberal minority, perhaps a liberal majority, depending on how much of the conservative vote that Mad Max sucks off. And it says it's going to be, Kuvals predicts that the PPC is going to take between two-thirds and three-quarters of its votes from conservatives. Yes, there's other people that are supporting the People's Party. But his uh, estimate is that two-thirds to three-quarters of those people will be coming from Conservative Party of Canada votes, and that's going to hurt O'Toole as well. And all of it, all of it helps Trudeau get back in, perhaps even with the majority he was seeking, which would really be, uh, rewarding a man for for the wrong wrong reason. Okay, so I'm I'm not certainly not the the, the pollster in this group, and certainly uh, don't really have any kind of sense of what's happening specifically on the ground in any one of these key ridings that's battleground. But John, 
it occurs to me now that this may be just my sort of goofy and, and short sightedness, but it occurs to me that if in fact the liberals and the conservatives and the NDP are in a very tight race anywhere, say in the GTA or the 905, let's be more specific. And, you know, there is any inclination that the conservatives are going to win. They are going to be making grounds based on soft liberal vote or liberals who are disenchanted with Trudeau. And the likelihood of that outweighing any kind of effect that the People's Party of Canada might have in any one of those ridings, you know, that to me is the factor, isn't it? I mean, if, if they can kind of stretch it into, yeah, let's forget about what the, the Bernier folks are saying. If you're annoyed and pissed off with what Trudeau has been saying and doing, there, there's probably more momentum and traction there. So does that not minimize the, the, the well, impact that Bernier may have? Well, Bernier and the PPC are a strange creature because they're just still evolving. They're not, you know, they're not your father's PPC. Uh, I mean, they are a new group of people. And, and let's also say, you know, the premiers, <clears throat> the fact that, um, you know, that uh, Premier Ford has stayed out of the melee as being good for Aaron O'Toole. On the other hand, they brought in the masks, uh, sorry, the, um, the, the passports, and they didn't announce it, in, you know, after the election campaign. And the passport has fueled the PPC, so that's sure. not very good. It, secondly, you know, I, I want to say your your best friends are not the premiers, especially when you go and see Jason Kenney and you say you're doing a great job, and then he pulls the plug. And I know it's all about human lives and you got to save lives. But I mean, he he does this just before the actual election day. If he'd done it the day after it made a, you know, would have made a political difference, at least. I know he's got to save lives. But you've got the premiers, in fact, who are doing things that are fueling the opposition to um, Mr. O'Toole. So to come back to the PPC, I think there's probably some pockets. You can talk about central Ontario. You can talk about southwestern Ontario. You can talk about you know, some um, some areas where, where, you know, Randy Hillier lives that might, you know, gather more steam. But I think at this stage, anything that takes away from the potential conservative vote is a bad news story for Aaron O'Toole. I mean, you know, Trudeau might not be in the great greatest of circumstances, but Aaron O'Toole knew, needs every vote he can get. And if I, the latest tracking I have, I've got them at eight. I've got the PPC at eight percent as of this morning in the province of Ontario. That's not a small number. And mm -hmm. if it's draining from certain places, it's draining away from the PP from the concerns. And those PPC people, man, are they driven? So we'll see what the impact is going to be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you if there's a way to actually measure, you know, by party, what percentage of the supporters actually got out to vote. I realize that's sort of a, a vague you know, a number, but I'm, if you can measure the motivation by party to get out on Monday, it might be a pretty in interesting thing. And just to your point, you have just given me another answer that O'Toole should have had in his bag. <laughs> right. I mean, mm. here we have the, the, the premier of Alberta is not politicizing vaccines. He's not politicizing right. COVID. He could have delayed this entirely. We know he's acting in the moment. Listen to the Trudeau liberals. They only want to politicize, blah, 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 blah. Should we do a cha-ching here, Keith? I think, right. You know, I mean, seriously, there's oh, so many answers that they had. I don't want to dwell on that entirely. But again, the idea that we have this um, sort of dense vote is important in Alberta. So, I'm, you know, really, I don't think it's going to affect it there. But back to the polling in 
the GTA, and we sort of touched on this yesterday, John, the idea that that the vote is liberal dense in the GTA primarily because of the 416. Mm -hmm. When we take the 416 out of that, does that still show the liberals with uh, uh, an edge, say, 416, 905, you know, kind of on the edges of the southern parts of 705. Well, I invite people to go to the Ipsos uh, site. If you're on Twitter, you can look in the last 24 hours. And Daryl Bricker put out a great piece and they did a 555 sample in the 905. And they found that the liberals were leading by, I think, just by memory, it's like six or seven points. When you have something like that, and I mean, you're not looking riding by riding to see what it's like because you can't. But when you say when you see that, it's kind of like they're split. I mean, it's a fight. It's a knife fight. Yep. You're down yep. right in there. I was interested in Daryl's comment because he said that it's not so much that Trudeau is fighting Aaron O'Toole, but but Trudeau's fighting himself. The 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 conservatives have had a good campaign to to point out his negatives, but in the nine hundred five, Trudeau hasn't had enough to pull out of his negatives. So mm-hmm. there's still that fight against him. Aaron O'Toole. He said he's almost irrelevant. The only time that Aaron O'Toole popped up on my radar screen saying that they were not doing as well as you thought was I think it was a week ago when he's standing in the back in in the go train parking lot in Whitby with nobody behind him it looks like every it looks like every time Aaron O'Toole and his people do a, a presser there's nobody there um but he yeah, was when there. you're when you're outnumbered by the people who stand behind anime well, Paul, you're in trouble and in, 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 in the, <laughs> yeah but even in the one where it was out the presser was out in uh, Pickering at, or Whitby at the go station there's some guy in the back slumped against one of the light posts and that's kind of it so anyways all of that aside Trudeau is fighting with himself the the issue that he brought up the, today in Windsor which was basically don't vote strategically vote for us is the message of if you if you want the other guy who you're clearly not supporting meaning Aaron O'Toole in the 905 vote for me and we'll move forward that's going to be the message that he delivers everywhere he can go today but again, I come back to that sort of the, the, the Tory spin on, on why we're out there. Keith, it, it astounds me still that today, you know, here we are, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, still hasn't answered the question as to why we're in the campaign. Dude, we're like three days away from voting. Uh, it should have been right out of the gate. We don't have a good reason to be in this election, but here's why you should elect a conservative government. That should have been the phrase, right? Absolutely. They should have been keying off on this all along. And of course, only in the past, week or so have they gotten to the point that's actually what's sticking with voters as you say they're really upset about this summer pandemic election Trudeau truly trying to get a majority when no one was really looking that closely trying you know people don't want to be out voting during a pandemic all that sort of stuff they're angry about all of that and a lot of other things and and for O'Toole to just not cash in on the trying you know flounder around with the, uh, an environmental policy a climate change policy that no one can understand or make any sense out of people aren't worried about that policy from him they're not looking to him for that looking to him to be not trudeau at this point and we see the prime minister as you say fighting with himself uh you you probably talked about it earlier in the week the the interview that he did with uh, global television in vancouver and i I forget the young woman's name who was doing the interview but my gosh when trudeau tried to you know tried to say you know all we talked about was the indigenous we didn't talk about any of the big election issues and she shut him down so smartly <laughs> we tried to interview you all across this country and asked you but he was on every other topic going and you wouldn't sit down so today we're talking about this because we think this is important he just looked like she just slapped him around silly and he normally would be in control of a situation like that he thought he was 
He was not, and he did not look good. He looked so, so defensive as he has throughout this campaign. And as you said at the start of this question, Dave, he still has yet to provide a real solid reason for going to the polls. Well, dear, he says, well, times are changing. You know, the decisions are being made now about how we could, you know, come out of the pandemic, how we cope for going forward, what needs to be done. Well, your government was making those decisions. No one was complaining that you couldn't keep doing them. No one was stopping you from doing them in the legislature and the, the columns, as far as we could see. You were getting stuff through. You were having to compromise on things, but work was getting done. He has yet to come up with that valid answer. And the fact that it took the, the conservatives so long to just hammer that point continuously. I noticed Jagmeet Singh's interviews now. He continually hammers on that point. He says, we're different with this. He doesn't have a lot of solid answers himself on the, the specifics of the NDP campaign. But he's very specific about we shouldn't be in this election right now. Both of those leaders are now hammering Trudeau over that, as they should have been throughout the entire campaign. Because I say, I think that's one of the issues that, that you know people are angry after 18 months of this pandemic, no matter what. And they're not necessarily angry at the government or anything. They're just angry. They're mad. They're mm -hmm. fed up. They're frustrated. And here it comes along again. Well, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, when I'm telling you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But, you know, we can have a campaign and we can vote and I can cram, you know, 100 people into a banquet hall and I can do all these. It's, it's, it's another example of this, you know, do what I say, but not what I do. And that's exactly the thing that really drives, I think, most voters nuts about Justin Trudeau. Just before the you rules don't seem to apply to him and his caucus. Before you jump in, John, the only thing I would say about that global interview is at the end, yes, she she set him back on his heels. But he had this sort of indignant, almost smarmy look about him, right? And I thought, wow, you realize that you're on TV, right? <laughs> well, he, he actually, how he responded was when she said very politely and very professionally, his response was, wow. Like, I mean, yeah. like, how dare, wow, like, how dare you? Descending could you be? Yeah, it was like, a, wow. Was like a, look, there's only one happy warrior in this whole place, and it's Jugmeet Singh. I mean, he's just... He's in Quebec today and he's being asked questions and he's, you know, he's doing what a politician does. He's not giving either way who he's going to dance with when the lights turn on or off or whatever, but he's just keeping to his script. But he's, he's out there free from all of this sort of stuff while the other two going on. And tone, I want to focus on tone for a moment. Mm -hmm. Tone in the final days of the campaign in 2015 were really uh, a liberal brilliant move. They brought in the ad company and you'll remember those sweeping ads where he was with thousands of people in a room and it was like, you know, hope and the sunny ways and we're going ahead and all that. It was the last week and the full page ads in the newspaper, stuff like that. Okay, we're, we're years later. He can't have a thousand people in a room um, and he can't, you know, they're not buying full page ads. But there's another ad that just appeared yesterday, which is the Hope ad. It's on social media. It's starting to move. And so he's the first one to inject some kind of hope into this that we are going to get through this. We are going to move on. And I think that's important. Look at Jugmeet singing his campaign. It's kind of like the happy warrior. Everything's fine. You know, don't vote for them. Vote for me. I'll be okay. Aaron O'Toole, I, I hate to have to bash a campaign, except that Keith, Dave, and me... We could have got their uh, their platform a week before the campaign and put five yellow tabs on the pages saying, if you say this, you're dead. So you better have a response. <laughs> but even at the end of the campaign, it's kind of like they keep inflicting wounds upon themselves. Like, it's just like, what does it take for you guys to get the right roadmap here? So they're on constant defense. There's not, I mean, they're, they're, 
their offense is a defense. Do you know what I mean? It's and it's just all negative, 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 negative. And he's all as the Kenny thing has put him on his heels as well. So, from a campaign perspective, it's almost like they don't have a communications pe- person on the outside looking back in and saying, you know what, you guys should probably just say this if Kenny goes south. Like it's, it's almost like such an insular campaign that they're just in this bubble going round and round and round and in doing that. I don't know what what impact that has on people, but the other two seem to be free from it. You know what? If one's got hope, one's one's having a jolly time. The conservatives, because of what they've done and because of how they're managing this, are seem to be going around in the rinse cycle over and over and over again on the uh, on the negative. I, it's 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 frustrating. I'm sure for many people to see that happen. So let's just kind of touch on the negative side of this and and, and take it away from the national campaign. This morning in the Toronto Star, it was revealed that the Liberals have asked a Toronto candidate to pause his campaign. It's Kevin Vong, and we all know Kevin because we have interacted with Kevin uh, on the radio here in Toronto on News Talk 1010. And, you know, let's just put the personality aside for a second. But, Keith, you know, when I look at this story, we start with the allegation of sexual assault. He was charged with sexual assault in 2019. The Crown determined that there was no uh, likelihood of prosecution or that it wasn't in the public interest. Whatever that metric is, they decided that they would withdraw the charges. So the charges weren't dropped. They were withdrawn. We move forward now, and yesterday it becomes apparent to the Toronto Star that this is going on. Now, they have reached out to the woman, the complainant in this case, and had her describe what the assault was. I've got a whole lot of problems with this on so many levels because what has happened here is now he's in a place whether and again yeah I'm I'm sure we're going to, I'm going to get criticized for suggesting that I'm somehow you know you know supporting a, a, a someone who's in sexual assault or whatever that's not the case I think if we look at the the specifics of it here there's a difference between being charged and somebody alleging I mean allegations lead to charges one two the other part is charges have been withdrawn but the Toronto Star goes ahead and writes this article quotes this woman who only repeats the allegation and the accusation without any kind of backup here to say, you know, this has never been to court. We've never had a trial. There's none of the, none of that behind it. To me, there's a whole ethical question as to whether or not this story should have even been written. And that's not just to condone or condemn behaviors here of those involved. But I think, holy cow, this is what our politics has come down to. And the media should know better. Well, seeking out to write this story, I mean, it was news two years ago when the charges were withdrawn. If it was a newsworthy story for the Toronto Star, it was so two years ago. Uh, to go seek her out and to update the story with the same allegations after the charges were withdrawn uh, two, three days before a national election in which this fellow was a candidate um, seems really bad judgment. How's that? Uh, bad media judgment. The timing of this story, if it was going to be relevant to this person's campaign, uh, then it should have been raised at the beginning of the campaign. Now, the other side of this, and it's uh, this is one that's going to be on Kevin, if he did not disclose this to the Liberal Party beforehand, apparently they didn't know, 
then that's on him because you don't sandbag the leader. And that's what's happened here. Trudeau is now going to have to you know, decide what to do with this fellow. Uh, I gather they haven't removed him as a candidate yet. It's under review. Uh, so what is he supposed to do? Don't sandbag the leader. This should have been disclosed by him up front. But again, I would agree with you, Dave. I question the timing of the story and the need to do the story at this point. With You haven't moved the story forward at all, as far as I can tell. All you've done is repeat the allegations three days before people go to the polls. Well, the only thing they've really updated is, to your point, that the Liberal Party didn't know that this was going on. Everybody else in the story did. And, John, my my concern is here, there have been all kinds of wedge issues here. We've politicized abortion. We've politicized gun control. In this case, we're politicizing sexual assault. Well, we're politic. Look, the... The Crown dropped the charge. I mean, we're into a semantic issue here of withdrawn. Withdrawn means you didn't go through with it because they didn't have enough evidence, meaning that whatever allegation was made in the Crown's eyes. And nowadays, when a sexual assault um, charge is being considered, they go full on. I mean, there's... I mean, there's only two other crimes where they do that, and that's called drinking and driving and holding on to your cell phone outside of the big ones like murder. I mean, they will take you all the way. They they didn't just withdraw it. They dropped it. So to your point, Keith, I agree entirely. If they if he sandbagged the leader and the party, he's getting off a little light. If you know, frankly, with this Friday before the uh, the election, because the prime minister was asked this question in Windsor this morning, and he said exactly what he what we just said. Look, you know, if it was real, you know, we're we're not in favor of this. Blah 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 blah. But he's paused his campaign because they're not going to give up a seat. Honestly, the political implications of this, of having him resign at the last minute, just, you know, or take him out, forget it. He ain't But that's it. what makes it all but dirty not, for me. Well, all of a sudden we have, we're hanging the possibility of a, you know, yeah. whether or not a, we're hinging minority majority on a, an allegation of sexual assault. That's what this comes down to. Yeah, I, I understand it. But it's also from a party who, when the allegations of sexual assault have taken place in the Canadian military, rather than doing something about it, they've had yet another commission. I think it's the third one that they're going through. So this is a party which is hypocritical in itself, but is doing what you'd expect them to do. And that's kind of like, we're just pausing it. We'll move on. You know, it's all been for political gain. Look, we all know Kevin. Kevin's a, a, a great individual who we've come to know. And and I, I think that no matter how many people across this country have been charged with something and had it dropped or had an absolute discharge, which is the other way of doing it. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is, that the law has determined that it there wasn't enough there. And you can't go through life with this hang this Damocles thing hanging over your head. I just feel badly that the Toronto Star decided on a Friday before the election or the Thursday that they were gonna write this big expose. And it's it's just, uh, I guess it has to be disclosed, but man, oh man, again, we've got people in the military who are who are being charged with stuff that happened allegedly 30 years ago nowadays. And it just it just boggles my mind. It just well, to be fair, I think it's it's also it, it's it, the the woman in this case, the complainant in this case. Uh, you know, I'll I'll direct everybody to go and read the article because it, it spells yeah. it out fairly well. But they've dredged this up for her. Correct. She was not aware, for example, that the crown had withdrawn the charges, and so and that becomes part of this story today, Keith. I just think that. Who the hell? What was the point of the story? Knowing full well that he wasn't going to be taken off the ballot, 
I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, we have quite literally come to the point in this story where we have determined that an allegation of sexual assault, oh my goodness, it's going to make the difference between the possibility of the liberals having a majority or a minority. I mean, we this that becomes the calculus around this. Well, there's so much at play here, isn't there? I mean, John alluded to it as well about just in this time and age, um, allegations like this apparently don't go away, even after the, the uh, it's been dropped by the Crown. Um and maybe, you know, uh, it, 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 maybe women's voices were shut down too quickly by the Crown in, in earlier times. Uh, but this wasn't earlier times. This was at the height of the Me Too thing when the Crown decided to, to drop these charges or, or withdraw them. Um, so, therefore, you have to think they had some very strong considerations. They were looking at it from all angles as well. As you said, this is the thing, type of thing they go full on at now. And if they withdrew them at this, at the height, at the very height of the Weinstein Me Too stuff, it must have been for very valid reasons. This can't hang over your head forever, but we do need some sort of uh, accountability. People do need to be held to account for past actions. Uh, do they need to go back 30 years as we're seeing in, in some of these military cases? Maybe. Some of the details would say, yes, we do. Yeah, maybe we, maybe we do. Each case has to be considered on, a, on its individual merits because there's certainly some shocking allegations coming out some shocking, shocking stories. But let me but suggest to both of you, though, that the, 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 the place to do that is not here on the podcast. Exactly. It's not to do exactly. it in the papers of the of the Toronto Star. It's not to do it on talk radio. <laughs> right? I mean, this is not to be litigated here, but that's what's happening. You know, Why the Star decided not to do this is, is the big question. Look, I think it's... I think ahead, it's uh, yeah, But I'm just thinking, you know, we have... I have two daughters, when the when the Western allegations at Western universities, you know, surfaced the, the the other day, I was the first person in our family to send to uh, my daughter at Queens. You know, make sure you hold your drink in your hand; you don't get another one from somebody else. And she didn't respond to me, but I got a call from my wife only about a half an hour later. Says she wants me to remind you that she doesn't drink. I, I mean, you're you're you're, you're <laughs> deeply concerned yeah. with yeah. with with females being assaulted, which I am. So I don't want anyone in the podcast who's listening to this to think we think lightly of these allegations no, at no. all. It's just that. The Crown decided to drop it. And exactly to your point, Keith, it's during a time where, my goodness, you're a hair's breadth away from being charged and going all the way to trial. It's just unfortunate that they decided to do it now. And I guess if you're running for office, you're fair game. But, it, I, you know, the fact was it was completely dropped. There you go. All right. I, and I, again, I don't want to make light of this in any way. And I think to the, to the point, you know, those who may be listening, and I suspect we will get feedback on this. I agree with you, John. This is not about, you know, somehow passing judgment on anyone's behavior in this story, except the media. That's what we're it's talking up. about here. I think if, if well, no, seriously, I mean, but, if, you know, if that's the case, if, if there was a reason here, if there was some public interest, and what I find interesting is, if the Crown had thought that this was in the public interest, they would have pursued it. Surely the Toronto Star should have thought of the public interest before publishing the story. Yeah, but isn't this now, this is Anne-Marie Owens, who's the editor of the Toronto Star, and Irene Gentle, who's above her. This is an editorial decision where they said, yep, we're going to run with this story. So you know what? We've just talked for a whole bunch about Kevin Vaughn. Over to you at the Toronto Star. 
you tell us why you did it and tell us whether, and I'd love to see their ombudsman, see whether or not there's time for an, yeah. you know, a response to it, but yep. it's on them. It's not on him. Or again, it's it, it, it when we kind of come back to the system, I mean, there's a whole bunch of loose ends in the story, whether it's good journalism, bad journalism, I'll leave it to you. But I just, I think, man, this is, we have come down to now turning sexual assault into a wedge issue. And uh, all right. Wow, that was spirited. Decompress. <laughs> so we'll be. We should be back. I, you know what? I just want to end this by saying that it's been great working with you and Keith and everybody else in this podcast. And I think as we've gone on, I can remember the early days, which are only six weeks ago, where we used to come on and just regurgitate what had happened in the campaign that day, and then get off. And it's been great with all of the people who have listened to us. But I recall one circumstance. I was actually a parliamentary intern and involved in a campaign in 1981, and I had to work on the campaign because I wanted to learn and things like. That. And on the final day of the campaign, there was nothing for the candidate to do. Nothing. And he showed up at the campaign office and was going from place to place and phone to phone. Hey, what's going on? All that sort of stuff. And I thought the best response from the campaign manager was, I want you to take him over to the grocery store and give him a push cart and you stay there for the next seven hours meeting people and stay the hell out of our way i hope on monday when we come back we can just relax and be in the grocery store and just talk normally about you know what we think as not necessarily pundits but just what the hell it all means to just us personally well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the whole thing plays out and whether or not the, all of the breathlessness that has gone into the last uh, five weeks has been amounts to anything. And one only thing I will say on the, you talk about the early days of the podcast, um, just a bit of history. We started this when the Ontario election um, began in 2008, and that was May. Wow. In Since we started this campaign and we have been going on a daily basis, we have had more listeners in the last month, almost a month to today, mm-hmm. uh, than we have in about the last five months combined. Right so on. thanks right for on. those of you who've kind of jumped on board here. And, uh, you know, and we're not going away. I mean, this is no, we're not going we're, away. We're already considering something else that might be different, but the same. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. We'll, we'll, we'll evolve it. So, anyway, that'll do it. Thanks, Keith. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, in, uh, in in Atlantic Canada, you're an hour ahead of us, so you just get you get all the good news first. Actually, I'm in uh, Toronto for the weekend. I'm I'm doing my oh. CH election night show. Yeah, there you I'll go. I'll be on CH election night. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to get you. We'll have to get you hooked up on the uh, uh, in the four one six and talk to you next week in the uh, in the aftermath. Thanks for joining us. He's Keith Leslie along with John Wright. I'm Dave Trafford. This is the Rit Race. It's an eye contact podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.